Welcome to Witch Yes, a podcast for casual conjurings, witches in training, and the last episode of season four. Oh my gosh, it's finally here. I'm Alicia Herder. I'm Tara Keck. That's so crazy. What can five-year-olds do? A kindergarten. So they've been to preschool. Yeah. So they know colors, some numbers. Mm -hmm. We're too dumb to learn how to read, though. We're not there yet. No, 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 no. That's like some first grade shit. Absolutely not. We know uh, but, some words. We can say our name, spell our name. Mm-hmm. I don't think I could. In kindergarten? I'm a baby. What the hell? You really think kindergartners can, like, write their name? Maybe they yeah. can write their names, and that's oh, it. Oh, yeah. Just their names. They're not writing, they're not writing their letters okay. to Santa Claus. I see. I just, I didn't have my true signature until, like, third grade, where I put, like, the heart and the star over the eyes. Mm-hmm, like, that's mm-hmm. when that was cemented. And oh, so, yeah. all of the name writing beforehand, just useless, honestly. It's, like, a completely different person. It's like a, a ransom note. You've just cut out letters <laughs> from a People magazine. Just little kids. Yeah, no, that's perfect. Uh, on today's episode... Magic in Disney Films, Witches in the News, and a spell to clear an argument. Clear or win? Are we winning the argument? Because I think we all care about winning the argument. Uh, so this one's to clear. So maybe this you should send this episode to the person who's acting a fool. <laughs> Just to, like, point it out. Yeah. Be like, hey, get off your shit. <laughs> watching anything we're watching the dragon prince on netflix very good what what is why that? do you look surprised i don't know what that is oh it's like an animated show on netflix oh really mm-hmm. what is it about very good um it's about like a fantastical world it's a cartoon mm-hmm. and basically like everyone's at war like the elves and the dragons and the humans are at war with each other and it's because I mean, it's like centuries deep why they're at war. But one of the most recent atrocities was one of the humans killed the dragon prince egg. (gasps) So the egg of the dragon king. And then some kids, of course it's kids, like this is a cartoon, find out that the dragon egg wasn't killed. Like it's still alive. So they're trying to track to give the dragon egg back to the dragon mama. While everyone else, like, all the adults are fighting around them. And I was like, that is some true kid shit. Like, of course all the adults are fighting. Of course the adults aren't listening. It's so typical. No one listens to kids, and I hate it. Yeah, no, we should listen more to children. It's 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 kind of crazy. They're like goo goo gaga, and it's like, yeah, that is a very good uh, international policy. <laughs> wah, 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 Elect him governor. Yes. Yeah. He's like, wah, wah, wah. And you're like, yeah, the Electoral College is fucking crazy. You're like, John Fetter who? Yes, this baby. (laughs) This baby is it. Yeah, so that's what I'm watching. We literally binged it because we're coming up out of the COVID, you know. Mm -hmm. Uh, And yesterday was, astrologically, was Marcel's best day of the year. That's what was predicted, astrologically. So we basically just spent the day binging this cartoon. And it was also fucking cold. So I'm glad we did. We didn't go anywhere. So we were like resting. We had all of our food delivered to us. Like we were just babies. It was so much fun. Yeah. Sweet little goopy poopy diaper babies. I know. We slept until like noon, both of us. I was like, ah, good morning. I'm alive again. Skin glowing, teeth a white. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. One tooth, because we're babies. Yes. <laughs> and it hurts, because it's coming in. It does hurt. I know. It's not easy. But it was good. It was fun. Any updates? Anything you want to say? Uh, I finished The Courage to Be Disliked, the book that uh, the whole world was shitting a brick over, and I did not like it. Why? 
You want to be liked? Is uh, that it? Point blank. I, point blank, yes. I'm a people pleaser and I want to be liked. I just don't agree with a lot of it. Like, they, uh, the author is basically like trauma doesn't exist when, like, scientifically trauma exists as, like, physical matter inside your brain. Like, it manifests physically. Yeah. Like, like haven't yeah. you read The Body Keeps a Score, bitch? Yeah. I got tummy troubles. Another thing is um, you should not praise others ever. 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 And well, good luck having a friend. Like, Yeah. <laughs> and then there's another thing very much like the past doesn't matter. Like the only thing that matters is the future. So like why you feel things and why you, way the, you, why you are the way that you are is not at all productive. Where I feel like there is space for both of these things where like knowing why you are the way that you are can like create a lot of like depth and understanding but it shouldn't be the be all end all because mm -hmm. like you of course you have to be like I am this way because this thing happened to me and now what what am I going to do with this and I have to always be looking towards the future but basically like uh Adlerian psychology which is what this book is based off of is like the past doesn't matter trauma is made up like everything that you're doing and calling it trauma is you like trying to exercise and manipulate other people and that like you doing that somehow gives you power and so like i don't know wait just... i don't understand that right that seems like why like i can if you're like mentioning something traumatic just for like to get a reaction out of someone or to get sympathy like i can kind of see that but it's also like i feel like so many i feel like most people have trauma and they're not like Oh, yes, I was actively pursuing this to happen to me so I could have a cool story to tell about how I persevered and persisted. I feel like a lot of, uh, like, self-help books try really hard to, like, get rid of the ego. And mm -hmm. I, on some level, feel like if we accept that human beings are id, ego, superego, there's, like, our base, mm -hmm. like, core, like, kind of, like, primordial reactions. There's, like, who we see as, like, our identity. And then there's, like, society, like, kind of projecting onto us, like, who we should be. And our identity is the person keeping, like, these two things in check. Like, mm -hmm. that is, like, a base part of, of our existence. And instead of, like, trying to strip away the ego, like, we should find a way to work with it in a healthy way because like that just seems like the most natural thing to do instead of like spending all of our time being like emotions are choices that we make and that your feelings like you shouldn't listen to them it's, it's just like I think it strips away humanity and like the whole book was just like I don't know whatever yeah I mean rip speaking of rip hey oh yeah because this is our last full-length episode so if you want to hear us in december you're gonna to have to head over to the patreon and listen because we're putting out two that month still oh hell yes i'm so excited so if you didn't listen to our last episode you know that we are trying to get to 500 patreon witches the reason that we have been doing this which we have kept secret for the past six months is that alicia is moving to los angeles she's moving back it's very sad um but to be Bye, Coastal. Boom, boom. Bitches and witches. Alicia and I need to upgrade our setup. So right now, Alicia and I are working from a very, I don't know if Marcel would consider it, a, a scrambled, scrambled, <laughs> uh, uh, a, a tofu scramble. You know what? We're parts. doing it with charisma, though. <laughs> dreams. Just dreams. So uh, we're trying to get to 500 Patreon witches so that we can afford to put together a really nice bi-coastal setup. Alicia and I can have our own recording situations within our apartments. Um, and so we sound good and we can continue recording this podcast because if it's not easy, I'm not doing it. No, that's a lie. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's the biggest lie, honestly. <laughs> it's very hard. Yeah. Um, but the link is in our show notes. Um, you're on your phone anyway. And hop on it. It's really cute. Yeah, it's fun. And there's a lot of good episodes. And we just put out the second half of our AMA. And next week, we're going to talk about why so many people seem to have past lives based in the Holocaust. Yeah, but the Patreon's fucking awesome. Like, come on over. And you can drop your questions in about our full-length episodes. And, you know, we need to decide what to even talk about next year. So maybe we should start a thread on the Patreon. 
about what people should listen or what topics people are interested in us delving into next year. Season five, baby. Season five, stay alive. Stay alive. Because you're five and things could still like kill you. Yeah, you're very small. You're just a child. And also, you've got all this confidence. You're walking around. You think you know what's going on in the world and you don't. And you have opinions at that point. Yeah. Strong opinions. Wrong opinions, but strong opinions. And that's fine. We're living and learning and laughing and loving. And lobotomy. And labias. And labias. <laughs> live, laugh, labia, and lobotomy. And speaking of live, laugh, labadia. LaGuardia. LaGuardia. What are we talking about today? Today, Alicia. Because it is such a wholesome season. And we want to send you off into December with all those warm fuzzies. Today we're talking about magic and Disney films. Oh, okay. Well, we're all, we love Disney films. What's your favorite Disney film? Favorite? Oh my gosh, I, I was not prepared for this question. My favorite Disney film? You give me okay, a Okay, well, my, my favorite Disney film that's not animated okay. is Pirates of the Caribbean. Oh, like, easy. hands down, easy, always my favorite. What about you? Well, what's your animated one? I don't know. I have to think. I was stalling. Okay, okay, okay. Let's see. Well, Studio Ghibli was acquired by Disney. So all the Miyazaki films are now Disney films. Well, that counts. So, and my favorite Miyazaki film is Kiki's Delivery Service. Oh, easy. Because it's about easy. me. And Gigi. And Gigi. <laughs> There's so many. I, like, just don't want to give the wrong answer. Atlantis is pretty good. Oh, dude, Atlantis? Is it Atlantis Disney? Yeah, it is. The Forgotten that Princess? Awesome. That one's so good. Um, I always was a big fan of Pocahontas, too, not going to oh, lie. Yeah. Listen with your heart, baby. That was good. Yeah. Oh, Mulan. Ooh, yes. Mulan. That's where it's at. So let's get down to business. To defeat the Huns. Yes! So, baby witches, magic, if you are unaware, is a huge component of the Disney universe. According to Disney Wiki, quote, magic is an infinitely powerful and supernatural force used in many Disney productions, being responsible for most supernatural events in its features, and is thus considered the overall theme of the Walt Disney Company. So Disney says, listen with your heart. I love that there's a Disney Wiki. Oh, for sure. There's a Wiki for everything. I'm surprised I there's know. not a Wiki with Jess. <gasps> not yet, baby. Magic is considered to be naturally neutral. Thus, magic can be used for both good and evil intentions. So it's got no sides. It's got no agendas. It just is. Ooh. An example of this would be in the movie Tangled, where Rapunzel uses her hair to heal her, her beloved. Mm -hmm. Whereas Mother Gothel, her, uh, I guess... The evil stepmother or something? It's like a, a... What do you call a stepmom who kidnapped you from your real mom and kept you hidden in a tower? A foster mom. Oh, yes. Okay. <laughs> so Mother Gothel, Rapunzel's yes. foster mom, uses her hair to keep her young and immortal. So this is the same magic, the same song, literally the same goddamn hair. Everything about it is the same except the caster and the intent. One selfish... One benevolent. You know what, though? I do it, too. I completely understand. I would kidnap a child to stay young and beautiful. Like, you don't have to treat the kid bad. You yeah, just need it, good. and you need the... Yeah, you, got, you just She's need got books. She can paint. She can make pies. Yeah. Live a full life, basically. You just can't marry, because I need you to live with me. I personally think Mother Gotha was going to get this flower that had the immortality super magic the whole time, and then mm. this king comes in, plucks this flower, mm. takes it from Mother Nature, and Mother Gotho comes back and is like, where the fuck is my flower? Oh, it's in this goddamn baby. <laughs> she was minding her own business until colonialism. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So even benevolent casters can be seen misusing their magic in Disney films, as in the case with Merlin in The Sword in the Stone. Do you remember this? No, it was, like, it was so old-looking. Yeah, it's like, the 60s. I remember, like, he struggled with getting the sword out of the stone, and he eventually did it. Spoiler alert. I'm so sorry for anyone who didn't know. Oh, my God. 70 Wow. Years. Redact all of that. <laughs> I really, th I thought Merlin was a uh, fashionista fashion icon. Gay oh. icon. 
Okay. But, so, Merlin, in this Sword in the Stone film, is kind of seen as, like, this, like, uh, bumbling wizard type. He's, like, a cool uncle, and he charges himself with being the future King Arthur's tutor in, like, magic and politics. And debauchery. But constantly puts him in danger because of his magic. Well, that's just reckless. It is, yeah. So, magic users, they don't have to be smart. They don't have to be young, beautiful. They don't have to have lawyers. They should. They should. Everyone should be signing NDAs. If I'm doing magic around you, you shouldn't know about it. <laughs> yeah, everybody. You gotta say nothing. Nothing matters. in court. <laughs> uh, also, just speaking of gay icons, do you want to know what I learned recently? That you are the gay icon that we've been waiting for? Yeah. Have you seen this hairline? I mean, gorge. Uh, no. So I thought, Probably mm-hmm. since college that, uh, who's the, hold on, who's the guy in the Fast and the Furious films? Vin Diesel? Vin Diesel. Oh, I was I so good. thought Vin Diesel came out as gay in the early 2000s. And I was recently in a conversation, and I was like, oh yeah, you know, like gay icon Vin Diesel. And everyone was like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> Vin Diesel has never come out as gay. Did you just, like, Berenstain Bear yourself or something? Like, what happened? Yes, I did. I'm Mandela Effect. Yes. I, I fucking rabbitsed myself. And you, like, researched it, and you were like, he's happily married and, like, has yeah. a million children or something? 100%. What? Interesting. John travolta me. Maybe there was some kind of, like, movie or something back then. But it also doesn't seem like Vin Diesel's, like, type of film. His last name's fucking Diesel. Yeah, but, I mean... Gay man can be diesel. Ooh. That's what I flexed for the people. I was just thinking gasoline. I was like, that's the most straight dude thing I've ever heard in my life. So interestingly, magic is often powered or influenced by different forces. The greatest force of all being, Alicia, can you guess it? Love. It's love. Ooh. I love love. Love has the power to break even the most powerful magic, and it can give the protagonist the strength to defeat an insanely powerful antagonist. So, uh, have you ever watched Star vs. the Forces of Evil? No. So, spoilers, the real magic was love all along. <gasps> love that. And then, um, Sleeping Beauty, true love's first kiss, wakes that bitch up, but does it brush her teeth because she definitely has some morning breath? Can you imagine that? You'd be like, ugh. <laughs> yeah, it's just foghorn. So, but I think another aspect of this whole, like, love is the greatest, like, magic of all is that trust and vulnerability play, like, a big role in this. So when you let in another person, one of the greatest acts of love, it allows magic to flow more easily. So an example of this is in Encanto, when vulnerability and trust between Mirabelle and her abuela Alma is restored, the magic of their family is also restored. That's a very good movie. Everyone should watch it. And then one of the questions I had was, what about magic that's powered by, like, hate or jealousy or shame or, like, a thirst for power? Like, my kind of magic. (laughs) And in Turning Red, which is a Pixar film, but it's under the Disney umbrella, magic that is powered by hate, jealousy, and shame is something that almost entirely exists within, like, this uncontrollable, like, uh, horrific, like, it's like a thing that happens to you. Instead mm-hmm. of, like, a thing that you manifest or bring forth. It's not until, if you ever watch the movie, Maylin Lee decides that she likes this, like, kind of uncontrollable, like, primordial part of herself that she benefits from it. And that seems to be able to add to her ability to control it. It's kind of like if you lean into the wild, messy parts of yourself and accept them, they don't control you in the same way. And there's a giant red panda. So, I mean, what's not to love, really? Exactly. They're so Very cuddly. So, this kind of magic seems to require some kind of sacrifice. So, we're going to go through a few spoilers. So, first spoiler, in Hocus Pocus 2, Winifred must sacrifice the thing that she values most in order to gain ultimate power. The thing that she values most is the lives of her sisters. <laughs> Alicia's face. Well, what did you expect? <laughs> Typical character. But this kind of magic is always sort of overtaken by love. So let's go back to Turning Red. So the premise is that Malin's family lineage is protected by a red panda spirit. The female descendants of Sun Lee 
are gifted the ability to turn into a red panda to protect their own families. May, the protagonist, turns into this red panda whenever she feels strong emotions like anger or frustration or like even um, like teen horniness. Uh, her family members have historically performed this ritual which seals away the red panda spirit in a jade talisman. They say, I do not recognize this part of myself. It is not a part of me. I seal it away. Good night, goodbye. I'm going to go and be, I don't know, a secretary. So this is really interesting because women are taught from a pretty early age things like anger and sexuality are not for them. In fact, mm -hmm. this hits pretty specifically on the cultural norms of Asia where women are scolded for expressing negative emotions. And this article that I grabbed from Mesa Press noted that a lot of this like emotional policing actually comes from other women from within one's own family. So like they are self-policing and therefore policing the other women in their family. May's friends and peers at school actually love it when she expresses herself but her family is ashamed of it. So the writers for Turning Red, Domi Shi and Julia Cho, are alluding to the struggle experienced by children of immigrants, this kind of like battle between American values versus like their cultural traditional values. Okay, okay, okay. So during the climax, spoiler, we're spoiling things. Go see this movie. May's mother, Ming Li, ends up breaking her talisman and letting out her red panda, which is huge like monstrous this is some godzilla shit yeah like bigger than the stadium she ends up attacking her anger at her daughter's disobedience and rebellion throws her into this fit of rage and her daughter along with her panda aunties come together to help soothe her so it's like this combination of may's chinese american identity her friends love and acceptance of her her auntie's connection to tradition and her willingness to use her own anger in the combined forces of their love that end up saving Ming. So it's like our love and our acceptance of you and each other and ourselves is what's going to disperse this anger that has this power over you. And the more acceptance you have for yourself, that's going to help you control this. I love that. Isn't it cute? It's so, it's so cute. It's such a good movie. Another thing that was really interesting was magic within Disney also seems to be aesthetically divided. So practitioners of good magic tend to have auras of gold, white, or blue, whereas evil practitioners tend to have really fucking cool colors like black or green or purple. <laughs> uh, so if we're thinking about like magic on the side of good, think like blue fairy, fairy godmother. Um, I was kind of thinking like the genie from Aladdin. I'm not really sure. He seems very... He's very neutral good. He's very blue. He's blue, big, and uh, kind of handsome. And but then, he's judgy, too. He judges, like, what the wishes are and, like, who different people are. Oh, yeah, for sure. Well, he's, you know, yeah. he's been around a while. Yeah, he knows things. He's been around Arabia. He knows what's up. And then magic on the side of, like, Team Evil, I want you to think, like, Maleficent. I would also say, like, Yzma from Emperor's New Groove is, like, New York Fashion Week evil. And then uh, Ursula, so very purple, green, like kind of like these acidic, toxic colors. And even like Hocus Pocus, it was like red, green, and then purple. So I was interested in the idea of like, okay, where does like color theory and history come into this? And like the white and black magic dynamic does not surprise me because of racism and also Christian supremacy. I was like, okay, mm -hmm. easy, done. The baby witches, they know this. But the blue archetype really interested me. And as I looked on, like, into TV tropes, specifically, like, tvtropes.org, very specific URL, um, yeah. the red versus blue dynamic is actually really common. So I'm just going to, I'm going to read from them. So this trope is about two individuals, or occasionally, like, factions or civilizations, that are significantly linked together somehow through like rivalry, friendships, siblings, uh, competitors, but they have different personalities and within it often different approaches to the world in general, especially whenever they might be competing in for over something. This gives them something to butt heads about since their manner of acting may rub each other the wrong way and each is sure that their way of doing things is right. And this red-blue dynamic specifically shows up in Japanese Oni, 
yokai. It all comes back. It's all related. It's all connected. So the red oni is associated with passion, wilderness, and defiance. A red oni character is often more brawny than brainy, extroverted, enthusiastic, determined, and filled with a zest for life. They are also much more likely to break conventions and rules than their counterpart, who is the blue oni, which is associated with serenity, control, and observing authority. A blue oni is more intellectual, proud, traditional, introverted, and cultured, sometimes more spiritual, although it's not guaranteed. And the blue oni's personality is often respected by others. So a very interesting example, if you listen to our Patreon episode about the Owl House, this archetype is very clearly illustrated between Ida and her sister Lilith. I love this. However, it's really strange that in this section, like if you think of red as bad and blue as good, that their colors are actually swapped. Like as you move like forward in time, right? Mm -hmm. So I was really curious, is it that older versions of Disney magic favor like this calm, controlled, unemotional magic user versus like this wild, like carnivorous, like uncontrollable magic user? Um, and so that was just something that I was really thinking about and I have no answer for it. Yeah, I wonder if blue is like a more mature, like people just perceive it as a more mature color and mm -hmm. red's just more like, ah! Primal, you know, it's, like, it's like the color of your skin when it, you know, like you slap someone's ass and it's yeah. like, you know, it's like wearing a red dress to a to a funeral. I don't know. Or it's, no, to your ex's wedding. Yes. That's where you wear the red dress. Wear it when you need to wear it, ladies, you know? Uh, so my big question is, red oni, blue oni, which oni are you, Tara? Well, in every relationship, there's a sun and a moon. Is there not? <laughs> I feel like sun and moon is very different from red oni and blue oni, though. I feel like sun is red oni, moon is blue oni. I don't know. The sun's been around longer. I think the sun is more intelligent. <laughs> oh, she's been and around consistent. <laughs> consistent. Because the moon is not consistent. Fair, 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 fair. Well, mm. which one are you? Oh, I'm definitely red. I would mm. say. You can say different. This can be an all-red podcast. Like, I don't care. We are red-blooded Americans. I was just trying to get the vibe. Yeah. I guess. Okay. Mm -hmm. When we meet our listeners, I'm the blue Oni. Quiet, reserved. Judgmental. <laughs> scared. Holding a gun. <laughs> Mostly just scared. <laughs> but I would also say that, like, in different relationships, I inhabit different aspects of myself. It's kind of like when we talked about mm. um, like male and female energy, where it doesn't necessarily, it has nothing to do with gender, it has nothing to do with your bits. It has everything to do with like two ends of a pole and that within each of us are two onis. Red and which, blue. And whichever one you feed. Unless you're colorblind, <laughs> then it's all fucked up. It's all messed up. Dolly, how many Onis are inside you? So many. So many Onis. 100 Onis. And then finally, uh, some magic abilities are taught to individuals, whereas other abilities seem to be innate. So it's kind of like there's two schools of magic. The one where you, like... Are born with it. Yeah. And the type where it's Maybelline. Exactly. And I was kind of <laughs> interested, and I didn't find a lot of research on this, so I guess I was just going to open it up to the coven. Mm-hmm. Like, what does it mean? Like, is there a hierarchy or is there some kind of, like, lesson about, like, magic that exists in all of us and it's just what you're interested in and, like, the research and effort you put into something that makes magic what it is? Or is it that, like, there are some of us that are just special little and better than the others yeah exactly like are some of us just like special little magical kids that i don't know yeah hmm well i feel like disney is very much finding about like the magic in everyone so i would say like as an ethos like probably from their marketing they need to be saying everyone has magic and yeah. not specific people are special but i i get i get the question mm -hmm. i get it but it could just be 
everyone is magic and some people just don't give a fuck. Yeah. Like, that's fine. Fair, fair. Don't pursue your magic. It doesn't matter. Don't pursue your magic. Give it to me instead. That's the quote of the year. That's the quote of season four. Don't (laughs) pursue your magic. Listen to it yet. Season five. Give your magic to me. (laughs) I'll take it. (laughs) Me, me, me. And of course, there's different types of magic in the Disney universe, the Disney sphere. Do they do cum magic? Sex magic only. Cum sex Every magic. Disney. So- someone's dying because someone is listening right now who loves Disney and they just thought that was the most revolting thing we've ever said of the oh, four sh- years of us doing this. Fucking Kaya Day, like, are you joking? Like, if you slow down all of these fucking, like, Disney films, it's like dicks, dicks, dicks everywhere. Like, <laughs> yeah, have you not seen... How many times, like, sexy cunt has been written in the, in the snow and frozen? Specifically like, sexy cunt. Yeah. Not just cunt. Just sexy cunt. <laughs> the most beautiful. But, yeah, I mean, there's different types of magics and different subtypes of magic. So, you know, we're just going to jump into it. Here's some examples. Witchcraft, wizardry, sorcery, the shit we love. That's us, you guys. We love that. While Disney originally treated witchcraft as evil, like, you know, you're all evil, you're ugly, that kind of vibe. You're the witch. Oh, you're Maleficent. Yeah. That's her name. I forgot she had a name because in Sleeping Beauty it was like she did, but no one cared. And now Angelina Jolie, now you're like hot and a witch. Yeah. So it's like, well, being Maleficent isn't too bad. But more recent films show that they're, you know, good witches. And witchcraft within Disney most often utilizes spells and tools such as wands and there's broomsticks sometimes and potions and all that fun stuff to achieve whatever the magical intent is. And of course, evil witchcraft baddies. You got Jafar from a lot. Speaking of sexual, what was that sexy cunt? Speaking of sexy cunt, we've got Jafar from Aladdin. Speaking of dick written in the sky and stars. Exactly. Um, and the evil, like all evil queens, you know? I love this archetype. The stepmothers, all of that. Yeah. I just, like, rich adopted an orphan, and I'm I'm pissy about it. How their eyebrows are always, like, beautifully drawn on, their hair tight in a bun. Oh, yeah, the Cinderella evil stepmother. Oh, she didn't have magic, though. No. She... Her magic was her hate. That was powerful. And then, of course, we have shamanism. So, like, a shamanistic magic is kind of the magic that uses more natural elements, such as plants and animals. So, practitioners of shamanism tend to have a deep connection with nature spirits and have the ability to call them for help. This is very, like, Pocahontas, almost. Mm -hmm. Grandmother Willow is probably one of, like, the ultimate baddies in, like, the best way. Like, she's a grandma. Like, that's fucking sick. She's a tree. Like... (laughs) That's amazing. I'm also thinking of, did you ever watch Princess and the Frog? Yes. And, like, the, the witch that, like, lives out, I forget her name. It's, like, Mama something. Like, yeah. Like, she's very much, like, she she's hanging out with snakes, critters. And the snakes look, like, those snakes were acceptable because they look dumb. <laughs> yeah, those were good snakes. You like a dumb snake? I like a dumb-looking snake. Like, but if it looks threatening, I'm out. I can't do it. If it looks neutral, I'm out. You got to look dumb or not at all. And shamanism is considered more of a neutral type of magic as, you know, the intents with nature spirits with whom practitioners work are not always clear and can often have unintended consequences, like trying to do things and then you mess up a little bit. And this could be seen from shamans like Grandma Tala from Moana and Rafiki even from the Lion King. Yeah, he was making some herbs and shit. Yeah. He's oh my gosh. Dabbing baby cubs. He's baptizing them in blood. He's baptizing them. I guess I never realized that's what he was doing. Was he baptizing them? I believe so. That yeah, it's because they do it on the forehead. I thought it was like to mark him as king, not to baptize him. I don't know enough about baptisms though to really know. Someone should tell me. Someone should educate me. Mark. <laughs> And then, of course, there's voodoo. Oh, so Mama Odie from The Princess and the Frog might be more voodoo, actually. Oh, that makes sense. Mm. And within Disney, voodoo is distinct from shamanism in that voodoo tends to draw its power from the underworld spirits rather than the natural elements and spirits. 
As Disney Wiki says, such spirits are the main limit of voodoo, as like Facilier shows, who's the evil baddie in The Princess and the Frog. Higher levels of power require higher prices to be paid, and failing to meet this payment leads usually to the downfall of the practitioner. If you put blood on something, it's going to want more blood eventually. <laughs> it's going to get That's hungry. That's the thought. Exactly. And another good person who like embodies this is also Tia Dalma from the Pirates of the Caribbean, the second one, so the second and third one. And so if you all stopped watching after the first one, I understand, but then you will have no idea who this woman is. <laughs> then, of course, we have dragon magic, because dragons are awesome, and they're everywhere. And it's very common within Disney, as dragons are often used as obstacles for protagonists, because what is more of an obstacle than getting past a giant fucking fire-breathing dragon? Oh my god, it's terrifying. When Maleficent turns into one, dead. It was like, what is that? what is that about? She was really like holding her cards close for that one, and then it's like, dragon. Like, whoa, okay. She, this woman just needs a kiss. Just kiss this woman. Kiss Maleficent. <laughs> Many of the dragons featured in Disney films and series are actually practitioners of magic who have used spells to transform themselves, such as Maleficent. And some, however, are actual dragons who have mystical powers, like Elliot from Pete's Dragon. Did you ever watch that one? I was afraid of his chin, so I probably only watched it a couple <laughs> times. It's a scary chin. That's fair. That's fair. And some of the common abilities featured within dragon magic include the ability to breathe fire, of course, like you need that, the ability to fly, because what is a dragon if it doesn't fly, and superhuman strength and agility. Not to mention, it could just eat you and kill you right then. Like, that is a big threat. They're hungry. That's scary. Yes. The most basic of dragon magic practitioners are born natural-born dragons, such as Jake Long from American Dragon, Jake Long, and Mushu from Mulan, the biggest baddie of them all. Two teenage sweethearts. I love him. So funny. That was probably the worst part of the live action of Mulan, was that there was no Mushu. Yeah. I would rather have a Mushu and no songs than songs and no Mushu. Fair. But guess what? The live action, there was none of both. So It was just a historical drama. <laughs> it wasn't bad. I actually enjoyed it, but it just sucked that it was from Mulan. Because it was just like, you just you want Mulan. <sighs> but we can't have it all as an audience. We can never have it all. Then, of course, there's fairy magic. And fairy magic is similar to witchcraft, although the magic just stems from natural forces. Mostly from fairies. Fairies use their powers to strike balance within the world, and many practitioners of witchcraft actually first got their abilities from fairies. And like Faye outside of Disney, fairies with these films range from the small-winged creatures like Tinkerbell to giants and elves, which I have to say, I would say of all these magic people, fairies have to be the most judgmental. Oh, yeah. They were like, uh, Aurora, you cannot wear a pink dress. And the other one was like, uh, Aurora, you cannot wear a blue dress. There's like any time fucking Peter Pan looks at Wendy, Tinkerbell's like crossing her arms oh, being yeah. like, F! you know, F me, come on, which I get it. It's hard to be a little woman in this world. You never looked at, you never considered. Exactly. And fairies mostly like use their magic to help people, of course. So Tinkerbell does help. I, did she help? She needed more maintenance than help. I'm sure she helped. <laughs> she needed But they therapy. had to clap for her a lot. <laughs> they did. She's me. <laughs> I just need some attention. <laughs> but, of course, there's the fairy godmother in Cinderella changing pumpkins into carriages. Cha changing pumpkins into carriages and making people's dreams come true. The easy stuff. Then we have genie magic, which makes sense. Genies, fairies, different, different enough. Genie magic is perhaps one of the most powerful forms of magic within the Disney universe. Because genies have amazing cosmic powers, almost making them equal to gods. Genies have the ability to transform themselves and others, to conjure things out of nothing. You want to be a prince? We're going to make you a prince, baby. They like, they're like, reality means nothing to these little genie fingers. Yeah, it's like, I can do whatever I want, whenever I want, to whomever I want. It's pretty powerful. However, genies cannot enjoy freedom like other magical beings. So, you know, there has to be a crux to it, you know. 
Genies tend to be attached to certain objects such as a lamp and are trapped until a mortal temporarily frees them or permanently frees them. The genie must then grant the mortal any three wishes that they desire. However, genies cannot grant in the Disneyverse death, love, resurrection, or more wishes, which I wonder in genie research if they could do those things. Well, genies are like... There do need to be rules in a Disney universe. It's like, we can't just kill them. That's too easy. Yeah. Come on. They're like uh, Disneyifications of gin, which are like... Yeah. Uh, we cover gin in Haunted Objects? When did we cover gin? I don't know. It feels like a long time ago. But I don't know if gin, like, granted wishes. Mm-hmm. I think that they were actually just like malevolent, terrifying things that lived in weird boxes. They just love lamps. They love lamps. That's really it. Antiquing. <laughs> yeah. All the good stuff. Haunted dolls. Ooh, yes. While the genie does not necessarily need a wish in order to employ their magic powers, if the genie does something for their master without the master having wished for it, that act can still be considered a wish, such as when Aladdin was basically drowning. Do you remember that scene? That was pretty scary. I blocked that out for sure. Yeah. No, it was very scary. And so, you know, if the wish is not specific enough, genies can also exploit that area and be like, well, you should have been specific. That's on you. I love that, though. It's very, like, sneaky. Like, wahaha. Then we have mermaid magic So for our little sea witches out there. Mermaid magic tends to draw from the power of, guess what? The water. Air. Oh, shit. <laughs> Ah, man. As is alluded to by the name, mermaid magic tends to also be used by people. Practitioners of mermaid magic can waterbend, shape water, and freeze and boil water. Anything with the water, they can do it. Easy. Can they do that thing? Can they do that thing where, like, you're in the pool and you're, you, uh-huh. like, take water into your palm and then you, like, make the farting noise? Oh, I bet they're so good at it. I bet they don't even have to, like, I bet they can just, like, fart it out of their mouths or something. Oh my god, I bet it's fucking hilarious. <laughs> a five-year-old's dream. <laughs> mermaid magic also allows practitioners to grant the deepest wishes of someone's heart. But unlike genie magic, it comes unlimited. This ability, however, cannot be used for personal gain by the merfolk. So is that kind of like the Ursula thing? But she exploited that. Yeah. And she was like an octopus. What is mer? Can you be other things? Things? Is she a mer? Can you be an octomer? A murdopus? A murdopus. <laughs> what would be the worst bottom half of all the sea creatures? A shark, because you'd be called a murk. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> exactly. I think it would suck to be like, what are those um little crabs, but like they're a- in the covered things? Like a lobster? Like a yeah. crawdad? Like a, I mean, all of those are bad. What are they called? Yeah. Covered crab ancient creature. What? Oh, this. This. What is it? Hold on. Horseshoe crab. <laughs> Can you recall the image of a horseshoe crab? Oh. Hold on. Does it have like a little home on the back? It's got, you're thinking of a hermit crab, which, um, yeah. fair. Adorable. Hold on, I'm going to share my screen. Okay. This guy. Oh, oh, he's cute. He looks nothing like a crab. He's very misleading. So underneath, they got this. Oh my god. Isn't it terrifying? That's scary. So imagine if your bottom half is just this ill ah! okay i'm gonna chef stop presenting what if your bottom half was just like coral and you just <laughs> hang out all day. a little yeah. anemone yeah you're just like waving your arms like a concert yeah. the whole time Woo. you can't move anywhere glow sticks that'd be fun Woo. oh that'd be a lot of fun i think if i had the bottom half of a seahorse i would get up to some naughty things i mean Seahorses are, like, making babies all the time. They are. A bing a bada boom They're busting. And then giving it to the men. I mean, it's, like, it's the woman's life. <laughs> yeah. It's a good place to be over there. 
You just get pregnant, you pass it off, and you run away. Mm-hmm. No, seahorses mate for life, actually. So you're very committed. I feel like... I retract it all. Most would mate for life, just like a lot of humans mate for life, but some seahorses go out for smokes and never come back. <laughs> At the seahorse bodega. Like, why not? There's also god magic. Is she a woman? Is she on our side? <laughs> She's definitely not on our side. <laughs> But god magic is, of course, would be considered one of the most powerful types of magic within the Disney universe. Most gods share some innate abilities such as immortality, omnipotence, teleportation, conjuration, basically anything. It's very frustrating. How do you fight a god? You become one. That's how you fight a god. You, uh, you forget their names. Oh, like a Rumpelstiltskin thing. A reverse Rumpelstiltskin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Most gods have special abilities where their magic is most powerful, such as Zeus, lightning, and Hephaestus, who's forging thunderbolts for Zeus. That sounds like that's in your walls. That's Hephaestus? <laughs> Yo, we gotta, this whole place has gotta be condemned because we are fucking thick with Hephaestus in the ceiling. <laughs> you are gonna get mesothelioma from all this Brooklyn Hephaestus. has a Hephaestus problem, yeah. <laughs> And practitioners of god magic have the ability to even transform their environment. So god magic is nearly invincible, although some mortals can defeat it at times, like if you're lucky. Such as when Calypso was trapped for centuries as a human in the Pirates of the Caribbean trilogy. Gods can also infuse god magic into mortals, essentially making them demigods in the process. Very Hercules. And we know, we've seen Hercules. We get it. I feel like everyone had to watch that in like school when we were learning about Roman history. Did you have to watch it in school? I swear we watched Hercules. Maybe I would have watched it in that when we did the Wheel of Languages in sixth grade. Yeah. And we got to uh, Latin. But maybe not. I don't know. Latin? I feel like I've talked about this a million times. Latin in this wheel of us doing basically our middle school had us taste test different languages. You could either just commit to Spanish and take Spanish forever. Or you could try out like two weeks of French, two weeks of German, two weeks of Japanese, or two weeks of Latin. And Latin fucking marketed and sold itself in a way that I took the bait and ran. And then I was like, what the fuck is this class about? They were like, you are going to get into MIT with this Latin class. It wasn't even that. They were like, guess what? Harry Potter spells from Latin. And I was like, you got me at Harry fucking Potter. <laughs> guess what? We're putting Hercules on. I'm like, oh my God, I love this movie. And then it was like learning the ends of word, like usi o umo a e orum isos e z. Why? Oh, I can do it for all of them. I'm a genius. A savant. I've re- retained. You had, it was like some like literal, this is what I think of for like private like Catholic girls schools back in the day, like some teacher running around with a ruler and it's like, oh, see, oh, like just slamming the ruler down at the desk every time. That's how I feel about how I learned Latin. And how has this benefited me? Not at all. It's like, it just takes up space, my brain, rent free, but it should be paying rent. You could have remembered chemistry, but instead. I could have. There was no room. It took all my room. It has helped me personally. I'm just, I'm wowed, you know. Maybe I'll write a fantastic, like, fantasy film oh or, God, like, yeah. fantasy book someday. And it'll all just be straight up in Latin. Forget the lightning thief. <laughs> the whole thing. <laughs> but I'm like, why? What is this doing? Then we have elemental magic, also known as natural magic, which is perhaps one of the purest forms of magic as it stems from the elements of water, fire, air, earth. Very Avatar, but Avatar is not Disney, so... Sorry, everyone. Elemental magic is used by most practitioners of magic because you're using the elements, baby. And it strongly is influenced by the practitioner's emotions, such as when Elsa inadvertently covers Arendelle in an endless winter because don't make a bitch mad. Yeah, what was that about? Is that she was like finally like releasing and like releasing her, her emotions and feeling it? Yeah. And then that just like overtook her country's ability to live it, it condemned them all and then like her sister had to go and be like you're freezing everything and then and then Elsa was like well bitch move it's like a, a reverse turning red situation yes 
It's like, this is why women should actually keep their emotions shut up inside of them. Yes, exactly. You'll kill people. Oh, well. Then we have alchemy. Alchemy within the Disney universe is basically just like magical chemistry, which is basically what it already is. Some examples include Yzma's potions in the Emperor's New Groove, which I feel like we haven't talked enough about Yzma. We haven't, like, we've barely mentioned her. Oh, my God. Eartha Kitt's performance. Excellent. Yes. Alchemy basically just requires a lot of practice and training, and you got to be magical. And Ispa killed it until it killed her. But it didn't really kill her. It's a Disney film. It turned her into a cat. <laughs> Meow. But yeah, so many different types of magic. It's kind of, it feels very much like, <laughs> like what the like witchy community does, like in real life, IRL. A lot of it can kind of relate to some Disney magic, except, of course, you know, we have a broader mindset and we understand things a lot more than basic black and white terms like in a Disney film because we're adults, not children. I think that there's been like recently more of a turn to like in Disney films for the enemy to not be like a person it's more like a situation or a feeling or a toxic environment and that the way that the conflict is resolved is not like one person defeating another person it's two people coming together to defeat a problem yeah which is you know what real how real conflict is solved not everything is like the you know let's all kill hitler usually it's like maybe we should all come together and decide not to nuke each other. Yeah. It's very much like, oh, the writers have now gone to therapy and now yes. that's what we're dealing with. Yes. Which I love that. Good. We should be learning like how to deal with our emotions at an early age and that emotions are good. And yes, don't hit mommy. Feel your feelings. Don't let them control you. Respect them. Respect other people's feelings. And, uh, you know... Don't steal babies, which seems to happen a lot. And it's just there's so little. Like, you just pick them up and you take them, and it's just hard not to, you know? Yeah, what are they going to do about it? There have been a lot of cute babies out in New York City and with guardians. So I'm like, they're adorable. I get it. You pick them up and you take them. And maybe they'll have beautiful hair and they'll keep you young forever. You never know. Well, in order for us to stay young forever and have beautiful hair, it is time for... Which is in the news. Yay! And here we are. We're going to talk about the upcoming Sabbat. Wait, which one's that? Yule, baby. Oh, Yule. Love it. Yes. Yule is the next Sabbat on the wheel. And since this is our last episode of the year, we wanted to drop in with some ways to celebrate because I think that's a good reminder. And you know, which is in the news, it can get so heavy. And so real. And we're in that blissful part of the year where none of that matters. Yes. No, it all matters. It all matters a lot. No, shut up. You shouldn't ignore. I'm trying to have a nice vacation. (laughs) But yes, have a great time with everyone. We do have a full-length episode about Yule back in our archive called Yule Love It. And literally like year one, possibly like fourth episode we released. Something crazy like that. Like, it's very early on. Oh my God. And it's, so I'm sure Tara will hate it. But it was very informational. And, like, it was a, it's a good resource. So if you want to learn more about Yule, go back in our archive and listen to that. To celebrate Yule is to celebrate the winter solstice. <laughs> Do you love my caps lock? Because that, <laughs> I was typing with the acrylics on, and I was like, I just don't care anymore. That is so funny. This year in the Northern Hemisphere, Yule is on Wednesday, December 21st. As you've noticed, the days are getting shorter, and thanks to daylight savings time, it feels like we have no light at all, and it's awful. But Yule is about celebrating the light's return to us. She's coming back. (laughs) Mommy didn't leave for the smoke. She's coming back. She said so. She'll pick me up from the orphanage. She said she would. Just sit on the sidewalk and just wait, and one day she'll pop in, and it'll be okay. Because we crave the light and we're missing it. So we respect it more now than we ever did when we had the light. And so that's what Yule's all about. Be like, thank you, please bless us. We are not worthy of your light. And here are some fun ways to celebrate Yule. So you can make a Yule wreath. This is, I wanted to get this out early because this sounds like it'll take a lot of work, honestly. 
but I think it'd be so worth it. So you make it out of yew, pine, holly, mistletoe, and or ivy. And so all of this, making it into a wreath, represents everlasting life, protection, and prosperity. And so I think that would be such a cute activity to do while you're waiting for Yule. Like, you know, it's coming up and you're like, let's make something. Let's put it on the door. Let's wear it on my head. Like, whatever you want to do. And you can also decorate your home with these sacred plants as well. Just like keep them in there. Of course, you want some mistletoe. You want to kiss people, right? Kiss, kiss. Yeah, I mean, if it's going to break my uh, the generational curse that has been on my family and kept me asleep for a millennia, please kiss, kiss me. Kiss, kiss, kiss. You can burn a Yule log. So if you have a fireplace, well, aren't you fucking lucky? <laughs> you luxurious bitch. You can decorate an oak log with pine cones, dried berries, cinnamon sticks, holly, and mistletoe, and then burn it. And for the rest of us peasants who don't have a fireplace, we can go out and make a bonfire. There are ways for us to do fire-related things. Some of them are illegal, but we can still do it, okay? And the burning of the Yule log is about banishing the negative energy that you don't want to carry into your life next year. Because, you know, the New Year's coming. Have you been thinking about that, Tara? The New Year's coming. Have you thought about your New Year's resolutions from this past year? Because I've thought about your New Year's resolutions. I've, uh, I'm sure I have. <laughs> She's like, don't remind me yet. You can also have a Yule feast. So I love this one. Like, I love anything that, like, gets people together. And you can, like, bring your favorite dish and just encourage everyone to, like, Come, laugh, live, love, live, labia, all of it. And, like, just enjoy each other's company. And, of course, like, you get to eat good food. And that's great. I love that. You can play some exploding kittens or something, and then you can leave the party happy or, like, out for revenge because losing feels awful. Oh, no. I not, hate games. We are not losers. <laughs> I hate playing games. But that is how... You can celebrate this year's Yule, just the easy, three easy things to do. And we hope you guys have a great holiday. Without us. Unless you're on Patreon. <laughs> We're on Patreon. <laughs> well, thank you, baby. That was such a sweet You're welcome. Oh that was Witches in the News. I have to say the, the, and this has been Witches in the News. Yay. Signing off. Thank you. Thank For you. For one final time. The last time. All right. Last spell of the year. Yay. So excited. So this is from, once again, the Wicca book of herbal spells by Lisa Chamberlain. And this is an herb and flower spell for clearing an argument. So I'm just going to read it verbatim because I think it's very good. Not winning an argument. Clearing an argument. Clearing it out. It's over. You had the argument and now you got to like heal and forgive and shit. You got to move on. Yeah. You got to let it go. So in any relationship, arguments arise often when communication fails. Even with the best of intentions, we can sometimes cease letting our needs be known or listening to someone else's needs. The resulting misunderstandings can lead to tension and increasing arguments. So nutmeg, in particular, aids in enhancing our perception. It is also a very holly jolly. And it smells really good. Yeah. It, it's delicious in a latte, on a hot toddy, in your coffee in the morning. But it also aids in our ability to understand what's going on beneath the surface. It's a nut. Ah, you gotta bury nuts. You gotta put them in the ground. This ritual will help to bring honesty into a relationship, release negative emotions, and provide strength for a healthy communication between two people. Very red panda. Very frozen. Yeah. The yellow candle symbolizes the power of air. I'm gonna get to all of these in a minute. The literal flow of conversation. And then these rose petals we're gonna add bring to mind the idea of love, serving as a reminder that with love and care, arguments can be solved and harmony restored to a relationship. So this spell is useful in any relationship, be a romantic partner, family member, co-podcast host. <gasps> Me. So here's what you're gonna need. That yellow candle, some olive oil, Ooh. a pinch of dried mint, a pinch of dried nutmeg, dried yellow, Rose petals, baby yellow ones, a mortar and okay. pestle or a small bowl, and then a photo or a symbol of the person that you're having this argument with. So you're going to begin 
three deep breaths. We're in the mood. Get in the mood. Get Randy. Begin by visualizing a white light starting in your core and slowly radiating outwards until you are enveloped by a protective white light. Mix the herbs and petals together in the mortar or bowl and visualize your personal power flowing into the ingredients. So this white light, it's heading into these little sticks you found. Rub the candle with the kitchen oil and then roll it in the herbs and flour mixture. Place the photo or symbol on your altar. Light the candle as you chant the following or similar words. And you know how I feel about incantation, so I made it very short. Love that. Air, our breath flowing free, let us speak in honesty. Continue the chant six times as you concentrate on the photo or the other person. So make sure you're alone, okay? This is a private mm -hmm. situation. Don't invite the person there. They're going to be like, you're so mad about that? How embarrassing for you. <laughs> After the chant, sit quietly and allow your body to release the negative emotions surrounding this person so that you will be able to communicate openly and honestly with them at your next encounter, like at the dinner table in 20 minutes. <laughs> allow the candle to burn out, so make sure it's a little guy, and then say the following or similar words. Upon the next time we meet, allow us to speak open and honestly, so mode it be. I love that. So just intentions of being like something is is blocking up our line of communication and I want us to just be honest about how we're feeling. And then you talk it out and you hug it out and you cry it out and it'll be great. And that's called love. The most powerful magic of all. <laughs> the most Disney ending we could have made. And some other powerful magical practitioners. We would like to thank our producer, Marcel Perez, our creative director, Mallory Porter, our resident intern and researcher, Brian Rainey. Good job, Brian. And our music guy, Kevin McLeod, whose music we use in the intro and the outro of each episode. The do, 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 because it slaps. It's so good. Uh, I'd also really like to thank some other powerful witches, people that have written an Apple podcast review or subscribed to our channel on Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get podcasts. Baby witches, please. As a special Yule gift to me personally, head over to <laughs> Apple Podcast or Spotify, give us five stars, and you need to write something. You can write anything. You could dunk on me so hard. Take all that energy from the, uh, from the Discord that you use to bully me in particular and bring it over to Apple Podcasts and give me five stars. Okay, but be nice. She'll cry. I'm very sensitive right now. <laughs> If you want to find me, Alicia, you can find me on Instagram at Alicia Period Herder. If you want to find Tara, that's me. You can find me on Instagram at Her Lovely Face. That's my art Instagram. Or if you want to see pictures of um, my dog, uh, you can go to underscore Little Moss. That's my private Instagram. And we, the podcast, are on Instagram at Witch Yes. Share an episode in your stories, tag us, and we'll feature you on our stories. It's always a good place to be. And then we also have the Discord server that is fully not run by Tara or I. It is completely out of our hands. Chaos magic at its best. Chaos magic all the way. They are yeah. genies. They are up to stuff. And you can find that in the show notes. If you don't like the socials, you can always contact us via email at witchyespodcast at gmail.com. You can also find us on Patreon, $5 Patreon, which is and above. Get extra episodes a month, two of them, which makes us a weekly podcast. Also, Damn. now that we are going to go on our winter break... They're still going to get episodes. They're the only ones getting episodes. Because they paid for it. $10 and <laughs> above get access to our close friends list and more. Uh, Patreon witches get to ask us questions. They know what the next episode is going to be. And uh, we just like them a lot more. Yeah, point blank. Probably. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> yeah, anything else, baby? I'm going to miss you so much. I'm going to miss you too. Well, I hope everyone has a, a happy Christmas Hanukkah and happy Yule. Live, laugh, love. Labia. Lobotomy. And this has been... Which, yes! yes. Wow.